I've titled the message, The Impact of a, of a Thanksgiving Spirit. Let's take our Bibles, let's stand, the 100th Psalm. The 100th Psalm, notice it's not Psalms, it's Psalm. And also, while I'm just looking at how words are spelled and, and how you pronounce them, it's not Revelations, it's Revelation. It's the one revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. And so, Psalm, the 100th Psalm, verse 1 says, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Notice already the word joy, worship, gladness. Notice you don't see happiness in this. We talked about this today in Sunday school, and happiness is not wrong. Happiness is good, but happiness is more the outward expression. Happiness is fleeting. It comes and goes. Happiness is tied to our emotions. And our emotions aren't always bad, but you don't build your life on your emotions. I mean, our emotions can be sometimes the most shallow part of our lives. Joy, on the other hand, is deep. Joy is within us. Joy is what gets us through even difficult times. It's what allows us to be joyful and glad within our spirits, even though we're burying a loved one. So joy is a very important thing. So it says here, shout for joy for the joy of the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We're his people the sheep of his pasture, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So in the temple, you would come through some gates, then you would enter a courtyard before you actually went inside the temple. And, you know, it's like that in many third world countries. You know that. In most third world countries, uh, most people live behind walls. And in order to enter their compound, no matter how how poor or wealthy they may be. Most people live behind walls. you got to go through a gate. And when you go through a gate, you usually enter a courtyard. And then you go from the courtyard into the house. And so that's the concept here. We're to enter his gates with thanksgiving. So this is how I picture it. I picture it this way. When we come to church and we get out of our vehicles and we walk onto the grounds, I would say maybe walking onto the cement pad out there, you're entering his gates. And the Bible says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And then when you come into the foyer, you're entering his courts with praise. So before you ever make it into the main sanctuary, you should have a heart of thanksgiving and your mouth should be full of praise already. Just for the very fact that you were able to wake up this morning and go to the house of the Lord. <clears throat> so he says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for this psalm and what it means to us. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. While we're not going to take apart this 
this psalm verse by verse. I'll kind of get it for you right there, just showing you some things here. Um, we are going to use this as, as what I call a launching point to the impact of a thanksgiving spirit. Now, verse 3 says this before we go any further. It says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us and we are his people and we, uh, we are his and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Never forget this. Never forget this. Always keep this in your mind and heart. And if you can, it'll help you have a spirit of thanksgiving. Listen, the president of the United States is not God. The school board of Alachua County is not God. Your boss is not God. Your pastor is not God. I mean, I can go on and on, right? There's one God. Yahweh, the Lord God. The Lord, He is God. And that right there makes me thankful to know that Joe Biden is not my answer in life. Donald Trump is not my answer in life. Being a Republican, a Democrat, or some kind of cat isn't the answer to the ills in my life. I have a master. His name is Jesus. He is the Lord of my life and the Lord God. And if you're a Christian, he's the Lord of your life. He made you. He knows what makes you tick. <coughs> Excuse me. He knows what's going on in your heart and life. He knows what's happening. You belong to him. And it says we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Hmm. He's our shepherd. You know what the shepherd's responsibility is? Is to feed his sheep and to lead them to green pastures. A lot of times the shepherd is um, binding up wounds, sometimes bringing discipline to an unruly ram. Sometimes the shepherd, you know, is, is well, he's always taking care of the sheep. He's feeding them and caring for them and so forth and so on. We are the sheep of his pasture. He cares for us. And so with that being right in the center of, of this 100th Psalm, everything flows from that. <clears throat> so we can shout to God with joy. <clears throat> we can come and worship the Lord with gladness. We can enter his gates with thanksgiving because we have one God and one Lord. So with that said, <clears throat> What does a thanksgiving spirit look like, and what does it do in my life? Okay, number one, the first thing that it does is this. It impacts my worship. It impacts my worship. Verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And verse 2 says, worship the Lord with gladness. It impacts my worship. I'm to enter his courts with praise. Now listen to me. And with thanksgiving in my heart. <clears throat> Is it true that there have been Sundays where you have come to church with the weight of the world of your life on your shoulders? And is it true that you haven't always been happy when you've come to church? And is it true that when you woke up maybe that morning, you had already determined you weren't going, you were in a foul mood for whatever reason for all those things i just mentioned for for things going on in your life 
And the last place you wanted to go was church because you didn't want to have to put no smile on. You didn't want to have to answer. You didn't want to have to maybe run into a struggle or a problem. You just didn't want to deal with anything. But for one reason or another, circumstances worked it out. God worked it out and the circumstances allowed you to come. And you came in spite of how you were feeling. And tell me if this is not the case. And even if you walked in with the wrong attitude, just getting on the ground made you feel better. I will advocate and say this to you. On those days that you absolutely don't want to be here, my answer is this. Come. That's the day you need it the most and you'll probably get the most out of it. And here's the other thing. When you have those days, the moment you enter the gate, you got to put all that behind you. And you've got to start thinking like God thinks. And you've got to be thankful. You woke up probably in a house or an apartment or what have you with a roof on it. You ate well the night before. You had some nice coffee that morning if you're a coffee drinker. You got in a vehicle that had heat, air. It actually started. You didn't have to put air in the tires. I know sometimes you do, and sometimes the battery's dead or what have you. You do whatever you got to do, but you made it here. Most people in the world don't have any of that. There's a lot to be thankful for. And so when I come to church, I need to come with a spirit of thanksgiving, realizing, putting in perspective the way, the way life is and that I've got it really good. And every day that I'm alive, that I'm able to walk, I'm able to make a decision on my own. Man, I don't want to waste a Sunday and come with a bad attitude because it will affect my worship. I'll tell you a story at our home church. <clears throat> there was a man. He'd been in church a long time, but he'd gotten sour about all kinds of things. And his wife, he was coming to church in protest. Think about that. He was coming to church in protest, and he would sit way in the back on that side. He didn't like his son-in-law. His son-in-law was a leader in the church at the time. His son-in-law was one of the ushers. His wife was... A Sunday school teacher teach, teaching the children. And, you know, he was retired. And, uh, you know, he was, he was getting up in age. And I remember I had just become a Christian then. And I, I would ask people, what's wrong with Mr. and I would name him. And they go, oh, he's just mad about everything. This is how he would sit when he came to church. He'd sit through a song just like that. Man, the preacher would be laying it down, and it would be awesome and deep and strong. He'd sit just like that. A funny story would be told. The church would be just falling out laughing. He would just sit like that. Ten people would get saved. That year we baptized 60-something folks in our, in our home church. People were getting saved, sometimes 10, 11 at a time. He'd sit there like that. And then when the offering would be taken up, his son-in-law would come and pass the plate. He wouldn't touch it. He would refuse to touch it. So he was coming 
to church in protest. Mad about life, mad about everything. So one Sunday, his son-in-law finally had enough. Man, God was moving in that place. A bunch of folks had gotten saved on Wednesday night. Man, the place was packed. There he was, and he's just sitting there. He's just mean, like Jeff Dunham dummy, you know, Walter. Just mean. Look just like Joe Biden, mean. Yeah, I said it. He's a mean, hateful man, just mean. And that's what he was doing. And so offering plates were going by, and uh, so it came to him. Now, this offering plate was full, overflowing with coins and dollars and all kinds of stuff, checks. And, and he wouldn't touch them. He wouldn't touch the offering plate. So his son-in-law just finally had enough. His son-in-law was at the end of the funeral. Bam! He busted that thing on his father-in-law's head. Money went flying everywhere. And guess, guess what the old man did? He, he didn't move. He didn't move. And he goes, what'd you do that for? And he goes, man, I'm so sick and tired of your sour attitude. Why don't you just stay home? And he said this. He goes, if I stay home, people won't know that I'm mad. He died that way. Just like this. No, I don't know. Look, there's a whole lot of places we can go to make ourselves mad. The place you want to enter with a spirit of thanksgiving is the house of God. Because if you don't, you'll miss out on connection time with Him. You'll miss out on your worship with Him. You'll miss out on getting the fuel that you need for the week ahead. It impacts my worship. Um, Ezra, Ezra, Ezra three eleven. Did we do Ezekiel or Ezra? It's Ezra. There you go. It's my fault if I didn't put the right thing there. But anyway, with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. Look at this. Praise and thanksgiving. He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord is laid. Ezra the priest laying the foundation of covenant worship once again after the walls had been rebuilt by Nehemiah. After the people of God had come back from being in Babylonian captivity. Notice what he says here. With praise and thanksgiving. You can't praise God without a spirit of thanksgiving. You really can't. If you're an old curmudgeon, if you're mad about everything, if you... You just can't. And it will affect your worship. And I'll tell you what it'll do. When it affects your worship, I'm not just talking about your worship at church, but your worship on Monday, your worship on Tuesday, your worship on Wednesday. Thanksgiving and having that spirit, it's, it's what we carry with us all the time. I, I know I use this illustration a lot, but it, it goes with it. Some people, I mean, I watch some people in just in public life at a restaurant 
the way they treat people at a bank, the way they treat the teller. I, I mean, what is that sour stuff going to get you? I find people respond better when you're humble and you have a thankful spirit for what they do. You know what I've been telling people through the drive-thrus whenever I go through a drive-thru? I don't go through a lot of them, but when I go every now and then, you ever get where you're hungry and you just want the most unhealthiest thing you can eat and you're going to go get it? That's what I want. You know what I tell those people? I say, listen, you could be home doing nothing or collecting a check, but you're out here working. Thank you. Your life has value. I tell them that, and they look at me like, well, thank you for that. That's right. Number two, thanksgiving. It impacts how I view others. If I have a spirit of thanksgiving, I see people in a different way. If I don't, and I'm not thankful for all that God's done, I don't see people the same way God sees people. Look at 1 Corinthians 1, 4. What the Bible says here? It says, I always thank my God, Paul is saying, for you. I thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Paul, Paul, was, Paul was thankful for the Corinthians. If you know anything about the Corinthians, the Corinthian church was an absolute mess. They were divided. There was sin in the middle of it. I mean, he could have said, you know, of all the churches I got, y'all are the worst one. And man, I'll tell you, if I could redo that, I would not go to Corinth. No, no, no. No, what did he say? I thank, I always thank my God for, for you because of his grace given in Christ Jesus. These were people with a lot of problems, but they were Christians. They were baby Christians. And they were growing. And they were learning. Paul was even thankful for them. Look at what Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 16 says. For this reason, Paul says to the Ephesians, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, verse 16, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayer. Like I mentioned just a moment ago, the Corinthian people were a messed up bunch. As a matter of fact, they were so messed up, they had, you had a man, okay, who married a woman, okay, he was married to this woman, and this man had a son, but that was not his mama, you follow me? The stepmama. This man was married to this woman, and this son was having sex with his father's wife and the corinthian church knew about it and they weren't doing anything about it and paul rebuked them for what they were doing and said not to even eat with such a person who's named a christian that's living that way and then later in second corinthians paul talks about that Apparently, the church listened. They did, they brought discipline upon that person, and apparently, that person got right. But the church wasn't relenting. They were continuing to, 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 to put 
pressure upon that person. And Paul told them, hey, listen, man, he's repented. He's changed. There's sorrow that's been shown. His life has been changed enough already. They were going way to the other extreme. Say, man, show some grace. So the Corinthian church was messed up. But Paul was saying, I thank God for you. You see, the spirit of thanksgiving impacts how you view other people. Do you, you know what hurts me the most as a pastor? I'll tell you what hurts me. What hurts me is when some of you come to me. Now, I'm not saying that you come to me and you have an issue with somebody else and you want to solve the problem. I'm not talking about that. But you get it in your mind that that person's bad or they have a way about them that you don't like. And so because you don't like it, it makes it okay not to treat them well, not to love them, not to be thankful for them. And it hurts me deep within my heart as a pastor because I have to remind you when you come to talk about that person and to talk about all their imperfections, I have to remind you, you know, I'm their pastor too. You don't get to choose your blood family, right? You just are born one day and like, boom, there they are. You're like, can we start over? Can I choose? Make, can, nope, you have no choice. And you can't choose your church family. God chooses who that is. And you say, yes, I can and go to another church. Well, you can. And if you're going for that reason, you're leaving for the wrong reason, and you're going to just be a church hopper. <clears throat> but it impacts how I view other people. So when I have a spirit of thanksgiving, I'm thankful for all people. I'm thankful for what they bring to the table. I have to look beyond the things that they do that irritate me because you know why? They're looking beyond the things that I do that irritate them. <laughs> Our guys in the sound booth. If you notice, every now and then on a Sunday, when they want me to finish, they start playing music. And I tell them, oh, all that does is encourage me. I just want to keep preaching. But they love me anyway with all my imperfections. So it impacts how you view other people, a spirit of thanksgiving. Number three, a spirit of thanksgiving impacts my morality. Hmm, you say, what? Oh, it's there. It impacts my morality. Look at Ephesians 5, verses 3 and 5, 3 through 5. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Notice what, what the scripture says. There shouldn't even be a hint of it. And then he says, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Notice, rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So this passage tells me this, that rather than living immorally, rather than, you know, Christians are really good sometimes, some, some Christians are really good at, 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 
cloaking or hiding their gossip in prayer language. Oh, I want to pray for sister so-and-so. Did you hear what she did? Can you believe they would do that? Let's pray for her. Or joking about them in some kind of way. <laughs> look, at, look at what he's wearing. Can you believe, can you believe they're wearing that? All of that. No. The Bible says that we shouldn't be doing that. The Bible says we shouldn't be living immorally. We're Christians. We live a different way. The Bible says that, that uh, in, in verse 5, you know, that we shouldn't live that way. And any who, who, who do live that way really don't belong to Christ. But right in the middle of all of that, it says, but rather than these things, you ought to be thankful. Thankful. When I'm obeying God and living for Him, I have a spirit of thanksgiving. And I'll tell you what it does. It impacts how I live. You know why? Because I'm thankful for the grace of God. I'm thankful for the mercy of God. I'm thankful for the changed life that He's brought within me. And He changed my heart, my mind, my actions. And so I've got a, a spirit of thanksgiving. And because I'm thankful, I don't want to dishonor Him. It impacts my morality. So rather than being a gossip, rather than running my mouth about other people, rather than living ungodly and sexually immoral ways, being an idolater, idolizing other things, and, and I know this is this this is but it's a good time to say it. And I say it all the time, but if a football game on Saturday dictates your spiritual temperature on Sunday, you have an issue with idolatry. Listen, I've been there. I've been there. And you got to grow past that. So even idolatry. So rather than all of that stuff, you got to be thankful, right? Thankful. Hmm. <laughs> so putting that in 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 the illustration of being a football fan, a Gator fan. You may not ever win another national championship, but be thankful that you were alive to experience three of them. Because some of your ancestors didn't see one. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? There, there's always that spirit you can have. Somebody once said to me, and I, and I think about this every now and then, man, gosh, some of your buildings are old, and man, they just, yep, they are. As a matter of fact, we, uh, we've got our carpet scheduled in December. It's going to be replaced over here. We've got, got it on calendar, on schedule. The carpet that we raised money for down the hallways all the way through the children's wing and all of that. It's going to an old building constantly needing. But you know what I'm thankful for? It's paid for. We don't have a mortgage. I don't wake up on Monday morning, get in an office, and go, <gasps> hyperventilate. What was the offering? Do we have enough to pay the mortgage this month? There are some churches that are struggling. And it's a big deal, and they worry about that. I'm thankful for a lot of things. But thanksgiving, it impacts my morality, how I lived when I have the thanksgiving that I should have as a Christian. And one last thing. <clears throat> a spirit of thanksgiving, it impacts my prayer life. This is a familiar passage. 
but it's right in there. Look at it. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with what? Thanksgiving. Present your request to God. So notice, do not be anxious. Go back to verse 6. Look at that. Thank you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with a spirit of thanksgiving, present your request to God. All right, verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So thanksgiving should be you know, outside of Jesus, we, we, outside of us coming to the Father through Jesus, should be the foundation of our prayer life. Listen to me when I tell you this. You know you're growing in your faith when your prayer life consists more of worship, adoration, and thanksgiving and less about asking for things. Because when you get aligned properly with God, what does it matter about the situation you're stress, stressing over? Does it really matter? Does it matter if it comes out in your favor? Because you say, what are you talking about? Sure, we should want it to come out in our favor. Well, no, no, listen, listen. Let's say that God has a plan for you, and he's allowing that circumstance to take place in your life so that it can make you more like Christ. Romans chapter 8, verses uh, 28 and 29 tells us that. All things work together for good to those who love God, those who call according to His purpose. And then it says, For whom He foreknew, He pre predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. So sometimes God allows situations to happen to us, and He doesn't rescue us from it, but he's in it with us instead. And so when you pray, God, take this from me, what you're saying is you're praying against God's direction in your life. And what you pray, your prayer should be this, God, help me to honor you in, in this. And if it's in your will to deliver me, then so be it. But if it's to teach me a lesson or to grow me or to allow me to be used in some way so some other person can come to know you, then God help me to have the right spirit of thanksgiving in me. Notice how your prayer life changes. Rather than asking for an outcome that you think would be favorable, you're asking for God's outcome. What did Jesus say in his prayer at Gethsemane? Your will be done, right? Thanksgiving, a spirit of thanksgiving, impacts <clears throat> my prayer life. And then what happens is this. Then I ask with thanksgiving, and then it says, and the peace of God which transcends, it surpasses all understanding. Like this, somebody would say, man, I have no idea how you made it through that and how you made it with joy and how you continue to worship God through all of that. That's, that's what the Bible's talking about. It's not, a human can't conceive 
how you could stay faithful to God in the midst of that tragedy that you've been through. But you stayed faithful because you had a spirit of thanksgiving and then the peace of God, which normal human reasoning can't understand, guards your heart through Christ Jesus. The spirit of thanksgiving, it impacts. It impacts your prayers. It really does. Now, I wish I could say that I've, I've grown to this extent, but you know, in my walk with the Lord, I'm trying to, I thank God for it all. See, see, they got the music going. Keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. I like it. Just about done. Look, look at this. Look at this. There's a Bible church. Okay. It's getting closer. <laughs> so, in life, do I want to go through bad stuff? No. Do I want to wreck my truck twice in one day in my driveway? No, but I did. Hit the stump forward. Then later that day, I ran over it backwards. Stump doesn't exist anymore, thanks to BJ. I want to learn in those circumstances to be thankful. You know what I say when I ding up my truck, which is almost every week? I say, it's just a tin can. Just a piece of equipment. Who cares? just go on from there you ever drop your phone and break the screen of course you know they've got these stick on screens you put on there and that usually protects them all the time but but i i, I actually cracked my screen one time and went oh my gosh and then i realized <laughs> i got this phone it's got more power in it than the space shuttle had when it went up for the very first time it's got more computer it it I got a phone that's a computer that can do anything I ask it to do just about. You know, the old saying about men in the past, men are never lost, you know, when traveling somewhere. Men never get lost. They're often temporarily displaced. So now that I've, you got the GPS, man, you don't ever have to be lost anymore. It's pretty awesome. So when I drop my phone and break it, it's a minor inconvenience because of the lifestyle we live and how much we depend on it and how much we use it. But you ought to be thankful even in that. I remember, y'all remember last month when Facebook went down for about seven hours? I tried to get on. I was like, I thought it was me. I said, man, I need to see something on Facebook. I forget what it was. And then I realized that I found out some kind of way that it went down and I went, Oh, this is good. Thank you, Lord. And then I started praying, Lord, if it be in your will, would you take down Twitter and TikTok and everything else? That would be so awesome. Go back to the way life used to be in some of those cases, huh? Bringing it all back in. The impact of a thanksgiving spirit. It's not something we just do in November should permeate our lives 
and to be part of who we are each and every day. This transforms you. Wake up thankful. Instead of, oh man, I've got to go to work. Well, thank you, Lord, I have a job. Not the best. I want another one, <laughs> a different one maybe. But thank you for what I have. Transform your worship. Transform how you view other people. It will steer your morality. And it will greatly impact your character. Would you stand with me, everybody? Pray. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful (laughs) that you give us this spirit of thanksgiving. And we don't have to be like the world, mad about everything, grieved over everything, mad at everybody, mad at systems. But we can operate with a spirit of gratefulness, gladness, thanksgiving, and joy that can only come from you. So, Father, I pray as we go into this season of thanksgiving this year, that this would not just be a seasonal thing for us, but it would revolutionize how we operate each and every day. So, y'all, the altar will be available for you to pray. I encourage you, take this moment, just spend a little time with God. Ask Him to, to jack up your spirit of thanksgiving, to make you more aware of it to help you grow and change each and every day. He will, because He wants that in you. And He wants to use you in a mighty way. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, may I say to you today, He's your only answer. He's the Lord God. And if you'll turn to Him by putting your trust and your faith in Him right now, right where you are, call upon Him in your heart, in your mind. He hears you. He knows what you're saying in your conscience. He hears that spirit. And you respond to him in that way. Commit your way to him. And he will save you and change you and transform you immediately from the inside out. And if you're wanting help with that, I'll be here during this time of invitation. Just come here to the front. Come to the altar. Come talk to me. And we'll help you. So, Father, we thank you for how you've spoken to us today. And we trust you. And we pray it in Jesus' name.